What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining the podcast today. Um, I'm on my own today um, as I'm going to be talking a little bit more on the NHL trade deadline coming up and taking a real deep dive into um, some potential deals that we can see coming up here. Um, you know, we're getting closer to the March 3rd deadline, so um, just thought I'd put together a little bit of more of a intensive list of what you know is going on in my head and what I think could uh, could occur and um, at least what would make for an entertaining deadline. I mean, um, unfortunately, as, as many of you guys know who are hockey fans, is that the NHL, unfortunately, doesn't deliver as much as some of the other leagues like the NBA or the NFL when it comes to big moves and, you know, big moves that get people talking. You know, the NHL more or less becomes a little bit more conservative just because of that salary cap, that hard cap makes it real tough for teams to make deals, which is a real disappointment and one of many of Gary Bettman's flaws that he's implemented into the NHL. But nonetheless, um, just a little shout out to Aaron here. I know he's going to have his own episode that he did that he's going to put up um, or that we're going to put up, uh, which was just him kind of chatting about some some other sports topics. So miss you, buddy. But uh, let's dive into some hockey talk. Um, as I know, Aaron, you know, is a fan of all sports, but um, hockey, NHL, soccer is a little bit more my specialty where um, Aaron brings the heat more in the NBA um, and uh, and some other sports too, MLB. And, um, you know, I would say that we're both pretty big fans of the NFL. So we balance each other out, man. We balance each other out. So, um, yeah, no, I just basically what I kind of wanted to talk about today was um, – what uh, what moves might look like for more of the top teams? So, I mean, it's kind of hard to distinguish at this point in the season where everybody's going to end up. So for this particular segment, I just kind of zeroed in on the top three teams from each division. Because um, let's face it, I mean, those top three teams for the most part in each division, I think are in a place where they expect to be. There's not really many dark horses that have kind of entered the the race here that, you know, didn't expect to be where they are. A lot of these teams, maybe Seattle actually, but everybody else I think went into the mindset of the season that they're going to be competitive. And with that being said, I think that when you go with the mindset of being competitive into the season, you go with the mindset of being aggressive at the deadline. You're going to go after uh, things that your team requires, um, whether it's, you know, reinforcements on the back end more in a more depth capacity, or you want to make a real swing at it. Um, and really get a game changer to put you over the top. I think that the interesting thing about this NHL trade deadline coming up is that I think a lot of teams are in different positions. There's some teams that I think are going to be very aggressive given some of their long-term injuries that they've that they've uh, encountered that give them more cap flexibility. And then I think there's teams that are going to be a little bit more conservative um, that you know have a good thing going and don't necessarily want to mess around with it too much Um, because you know if it ain't broke don't fix it right so um, with that being said the first team on the list I have is Boston um, who are leading the league by a pretty substantial margin I mean they've been on a tear this year I don't think anyone expected them to be as good as they've been I mean they're seven points clear at the top of the league with 83 points in 51 games which is just ridiculous pace in this modern era so um, again, as I said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think that, that Boston has to be cognizant of that. You know, they've got a lot of great players. They've got a lot of, um, chemistry, you know, with Krejci back in the fold, even though that they're on the older side, they've, 
you know, they've got that, uh, that chemistry that they, that they work so well with. So with that being said, you don't necessarily want to do anything to shake up the room too much, like sending any figures out the door that, you know, are either big components on the ice or they're big components in the locker room. When you got something that's just rolling the way they're rolling, you want to keep it as conservative as possible. So really what I kind of had for them, um, hard to find an area of weakness in their game right now, but I think in the long haul of the, the NHL season and into the playoffs, that, that defensive, the defense is always the part that gets worn down the most, I'd say. I mean, going back and retrieving pucks and taking hits a lot harder and a lot more frequently than you do in the regular season just leads to more wear and tear. Um, and I think that Boston's going to want to maybe be able to upgrade that part of their game and just kind of maybe bring in some guy, a guy that will really, really put them over the edge um, as kind of almost unstoppable. So I think for them, uh, a potential deal I had for them was Jake McCabe out of Chicago. Um, you know, carries a pretty decent cap hit um, in terms of manageability. You know, he's not a player that's going to, I mean, Boston is a team that is near the, the cap here. They're, they're crunched up there. So they're going to have to probably move some, some bodies out or a body out uh, to make that work. But they do have a little bit of room to work with. Um, and Jake McCabe, he's been linked with many, many teams um, for the trade deadline this year. Um, you know, he's been kind of a hot commodity. You know, he does carry a $4 million cap hit, but I think if the, um, the Boston Bruins, the trade that I had them kind of make is, uh, is if they had no sick, you know, just kind of a bottom six forward, go the other way and a pair of second round picks that might be something that Chicago would be willing to eat 50% of the contract with his contract expiring. Um, well, he's got three years left on his contract. So it might be a difficult, difficult trade to make in the long run. I know Jake McCabe hasn't necessarily been linked with the Bruins. So they, you could see them even go after something, you know, a player like Dmitry Kulikov or someone a little bit even um, lower down the pecking order, or they could make a run at a guy like Vladislav Gafrikov out of Columbus, who we're all expecting you to get dealt, um, you know, coming up uh, at the trade deadline. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how far the Bruins can be pushed in terms of asking price. Um, the Bruins do own their um, first round pick this year. They actually don't own the second round pick for the next two years. So that actually might have to be adjusted. So, it's, I think if they have the appetite to move the first-round pick for a player like McCabe, they can definitely get a deal done um, because, let's face it, they're all in. Their guys are getting old. They need to do this uh, quicker, quicker, sooner rather than later. Um, then moving on to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, man, I could take up the whole podcast talking about these guys, but um, I'll keep it fair and try to cover many teams as I go through here. But... For me, I've kind of gone back and forth on Toronto. Um, you know, there's an idea that Toronto might go big game hunting and go after a guy like Timo Meyer, who's arguably the best uh, best chip on the on the trade block right now with the San Jose Sharks, and really solidify a, a just a potent top six. I mean, if you bring in Timo Meyer, you've got Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, and Timo Meyer in your top six, and Bunting. I mean, it's just like a flawless top six in terms of personnel and, and ability. But I don't know if Toronto is willing to stomach that big of a price. And I also, you know, he's a restricted free agent at the end of the year with a $10 million qualifying offer. We know Toronto's up against the cap for, you know, as long as they've had their core four forwards together. Um, so 
I don't know if Timo Myers is a smart pick, but what I could see Toronto doing is making a deal with Detroit for Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, he's the kind of player that I think brings an element that Toronto has lacked not only in the playoffs, but just as a team construction. I mean, they, they move the puck well in transition. Um, they do a really good job of zone entries and possession. Um, and, you know, they've got a lot of firepower. We know that. But the one thing that I think is a knock on Toronto is their stylistic approach to things. They tend to, you know, not necessarily shy away from the physical game, um, but they do rely a lot more on their skill. And when the playoffs come, it's all bets are off. I mean, the, you could get me on a tangent talking about the referees and how they like to change things in the playoffs and how bad the refereeing in the NHL is. But, you know, that's not what this is about. Um, but nonetheless, Tyler Bertuzzi, I think, is a great fit for them in the top six. You know, he can he can get on the wing with Marner and um, Tavares. There is injury history there. Um, and he is a pending unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. So I don't see um, Detroit, uh, you know, asking a King Ransom for him just because he has been injured quite a bit. He's injured this year. His numbers have not been very good at all. Um, so I could really see them parting with maybe a third round pick and then a conditional pick, um, depending on Toronto's playoff performance. You know, if Toronto makes it say to the second or third round, maybe like this conditional, say fourth round pick turns into a second round pick. Um, and then that way Detroit bags, uh, you know, higher end draft picks in a mid round draft pick for, for a guy they probably won't resign. Um, but, uh, I mean, if Detroit is, is, you know, out of their minds at the asking price that could could be an issue but i don't know i don't think detroit i think detroit's kind of well aware where tyler bertuzzi is and and uh i don't know if there's the appetite to re-sign him in the off season so you might as well get your value now so with that being said that's kind of a smaller move for toronto i also think toronto if they go down this route that i'm going i think they need to swing big at a defenseman um you know morgan Riley has been a liability this year and uh, as much as I love Mo and his commitment to the Leafs, I mean, he has been a major di- liability defensively. And at the end of the day, like he's got good tools. He's a good skater. Uh, he can get involved in, in the offensive end as well. But he needs a partner that can kind of stabilize his play because sometimes I watch him out there and he's out to lunch. So I think Toronto just needs to honestly just go all in here and make make a bold move. And that player is Jacob Chikrin from the Arizona Coyotes. I think Toronto could maybe get away with uh, Sandine, Rasmus Sandine going out the other way. Uh, you know, one of Toronto's better prospects slash young players on the team. Topi Niemela is probably Toronto's best right-handed defenseman uh, prospect as well as overall defensive prospect. Um, and I think that they would have to part with their low first-round pick this year. And then to maybe balance out the trade as well in terms of money, because Toronto is a cap team, uh, you probably would look at Alex Kerfoot going the other way to stabilize the the cap space. So that would be an interesting thing. I'd be elated if Toronto added Jacob Chikrin, despite getting rid of some of those guys. And um, with these trades, I've also presented for Toronto too. I think it's important to note that uh, neither of them included Nick Robertson or Matthew Nyes, who we know Matthew Nyes is... um, you know, a prospect at the, probably the least top prospect overall. Um, and if they can get away with uh, adding those two pieces without depart, you know, having him go the other way and departing the club, uh, I think it's huge. You know, there's, it's, it's almost imminent that he's going to sign with Toronto's entry-level deal at the end of the NCAA season when he's done with uh, the University of Minnesota. Um, you know, he's had a wonderful career there and 
Uh, you know, big, strong kid at 6'3", over 210 pounds, also brings that element that Toronto could use in their bottom six and for the playoffs. So, yeah, that's Toronto. Uh, hopefully that happens. Um, that's the only horse I have in any race. So um, I'm hoping that goes through. But uh, moving on to Tampa Bay, Toronto's more than likely, like it's pretty much locked that these two teams are going to butt heads in the playoffs, um, which is an unfortunate ramification of the uh, playoff format. Um, you know, most people, um, including Sidney Crosby at the NHL All-Star Game, even said that he prefers a one to eight playoff format because it rewards teams for having a good regular season. But uh, Gary Bettman, um, once again, is Gary Bettman. So, um, you know, if you've been listening to this pod, you know my thoughts on him. But uh, yeah, I think Tampa Bay is also going to make a, a decent run here. They've been linked with Luke Shen for a while out of Vancouver. Um, you know, they've had him in the past. And, you know, he's a good physical shutdown guy. And I think Tampa Bay kind of, has done a pretty good job of adding those types of players to their lineup, um, you know, to st- kind of stabilize their team. You know, you've seen them add Zach Bogosian. You've seen them add Nick Paul, um, you know, Pat Maroon. They kind of like that rough and tough dynamic to have in the playoffs, not necessarily be their identity, but have that dynamic um, as part of their team. So I could see a deal, a mock deal that I made was, Tampa Bay getting Luke Shen and Connor Garland at 50% retained. Um, you know, if you've been keeping up with the circus that is the Vancouver Canucks, you would know that um, there's a lot of movement expected for them in the off season and perhaps at the trade deadline as well, they could move out a lot of names. So uh, Connor Garland, apparently according to reports that a Vancouver is a likely buyout candidate. So in the summer, so I could just, to me, if they're going to buy him out, I think Connor Garland's got a lot of value. I think he's kind of on a sinking ship. And if I'm the Canucks, you got to you got to monetize that some way. Uh, don't use your buyout on a guy if you can get you know a team to to get him because Connor Garland's a good player. He really is. So um, I could see him go the other way in Vancouver receiving. I could see second round pick, third round pick, and a prospect like Jack Thompson. Um, you know, seems like a pretty fair return. Uh, if you break that down, Luke Shen is basically fetching you a second-round pick, and Connor Garland, your bio candidate, is getting you a third and a prospect. So, not a bad move for either team there. Moving on to the surprising New Jersey Devils. The Devils have been great this year. Um, I don't think anybody expected them to take the jump that they have. I mean, Jack Hughes has turned into a top five to top ten NHL player overall. He's been absolutely fantastic. Um, Nico Heischer has been fantastic as well. A real good leader there. They've got some awesome pieces. Dawson Mercer, Jesper Bratz, you know, an unreal player too. Dougie Hamilton's doing his thing. Ryan Graves. Um, you know, I could really see Jersey go in a couple different directions here. They're a young team. They got a lot of assets um, that are already playing in their lineup um, as opposed to just in their their prospect pool. So that's a great sign for them and their development system. Um, however, I think that they're going to swing big at Timo Meyer. You know, he's been linked with them. They have the cap space in the offseason to make something work. I think it makes a lot of sense for a team like Jersey where they're at. They're right on the cusp, you know, of, of making some damage in the playoffs. You know, I think that there's a chance that they might not go too far this year, maybe a first or second round exit. But just because of their goaltending, I think is, is a little bit of a, not a red flag, but it's, it's unstable. Uh, it's something that you're not willing to be, you know, super bullish on just given the lack of, uh, 
experience and reliability of, of uh, Vitek Vanacek but, uh, and Mackenzie Blackwood. But um, I could see them making a pitch for Meyer. And the trade that I have is San Jose receiving Miles Wood, kind of more of a, a cap balancer for this year. Um, sh- this is a fun one to say. Russian defenseman, you have a former first-round pick. He's been developing overseas in the KHL. Shakir Mahmoudoulin, um, big defenseman, more of a stable stay-at-home guy, but um, yeah, got good size, good potential. Um, I could also see them going after Holtz, who was a, surprisingly, he's a top 10 pick, Alexander Holtz, for uh, um, the New Jersey Devils, but he's been surpassed quite uh, mightily by the second-round pick, that came after him in the 2020 NHL draft with the, with the Devils, which was Dawson Mercer, um, who has, yeah, definitely passed um, Alexander Holtz on the depth chart of the New Jersey Devils. I just think Holtz hasn't found his his kind of game yet, maybe with a bit of a crowded offensive, um, you know, offensive team out in New Jersey with a lot of young studs. Maybe it's hard for him to carve his way in there to really make a um, – a name for himself. So I think going to a place like San Jose, who's in a rebuild and basically wanting to go fully young, I think it's a great position for him, um, you know, uh, to, uh, to emerge, you know, in there. And, and excuse me, Dustin Mercer wasn't a second round pick. He was a second selection in the first round. So they had two picks, three picks that year. They had Shakir, Makhmadoulin, Mercer, and Holtz. So it looks like with that mock trade, uh, Jersey would be, getting rid of two first-rounders, in in essence, from 2020, in addition to another first-round pick. So obviously an appealing return for San Jose. Carolina is a really interesting team. Um, you know, it's unfortunate Max Pacioretty is going through the injury troubles uh, yet again. Uh, his I feel like his career has been riddled with them, yet he's been a, a, a quite a good player for both the, the Canadians, the Knights, and, and the Canes. So... Um, you know, with him on the shelf, more than likely for the end of the year, they're going to have some some cap room to play with. Um, I think they go for Vladimir Tarasenko. I think it's a really good replacement for Pacioretty. You know, he's a pure goal scorer. He's dynamic. I think he could maybe um, get some chemistry going with fellow, you know, uh, countrymen there, uh, Svechnikov. Um, and I think he's got some, uh, some real ability to come into Carolina and, and uh, kind of bring a spark to their offense as well. Um, they've been great this year, so they don't, don't necessarily need a spark to their offense, but you know, definitely something that could put them over the top um, moving forward. So Carolina for Vladimir Tarasenko out of St. Louis, I think a deal would probably look like you know a first-round pick, relative, a very low first-round pick with Carolina being high in standings. Um, paired up with a prospect like Ryan Suzuki, um, I don't think they'll have the appetite to move Seth Jarvis or um, uh, Seth Jarvis or who's the other player I'm thinking of. Gosh, I'm blanking. Uh, oh, Martin Nekash. But Nekash is not really a prospect, but another young player that I'm sure will get some attention. Ryan Suzuki, I think, will be that guy. And um, maybe maybe to balance out some cap things, they could throw in Jake Gardner and toss him on the LTIR. But if that's the case... If they take Jake Gardner, uh, St. Louis, I think they'll ask for for more in that deal. But key components, I think, will be a first round pick and a higher end prospect for Tarasenko. Um, seems to be the the going rate there. This next one, though, is one of my the juiciest ones on here. Probably the juiciest ones. And Aaron's going to be very upset that I even um, bring this to light. But with Chicago being the tire fire that they are and really gunning for Bedard, 
I mean, even if they don't get Bedard, guys, Adam Fantili is having an unbelievable season in uh, in university right now. So the consensus second overall selection behind Connor Bedard is Adam Fantili. Some of you might be familiar with him from his World Junior um, World Junior display for Team Canada. But this guy, I mean, eighteen years old, six foot two, still growing, at the University of Michigan. 17 goals and 27 assists in 23 games. 44 points in 23 games in the Big Ten. He's been unbelievable. Um, so we're really, yeah, he's another guy that uh, they could end up getting if they lose the draft lottery. But they're definitely tanking for last and trying to get their their chances at one of those guys. So with that being said, and their horrible season, I think they go for. I think they they finally trade Patrick Kane. And the one team that I just think makes so much sense, and let's face it, any team acquiring Patrick Kane is going to need that 50% ret- retention. Kane is a UFA at the end of the year, so that shouldn't be a problem for Chicago, especially with how much cap space they already have. But, um, yeah, I think that they, they trade Kane, and I think he's going to be a Ranger if he does move. Um, just makes a lot of sense to me. Putting Kane, I mean, if I'm the Rangers, the Rangers are always looking for kind of that big swing. You know, I think I like their defense. They have a world-class goalie, probably the one of the best top three, five, top three to five goalies in the NHL. Top three, I'd say for sure, uh, alongside Vasilevsky. Um, you know, just a fantastic goalie in Shesterkin. Um, their defense looks pretty decent as well. I really like Keandre Miller. I think he's really developing nicely, as well as Adam Fox. We know is an elite uh, point-producing defenseman as well. Brandon Schneider um, as well. You know, they got some nice pieces back there. But what better way to supplement your offense to adding in Patty Kane, who can reunite with the bread man, his boy, Artemi Panarin. Just makes a ton of sense for me, in my opinion. Um, I think that Chicago is going to get a decent haul from this. Um, I think if New York is serious about making something happen in the playoffs, you know, they went pretty far last year. Um, and if they could just kind of become a little bit more potent, um, and a little bit more of that kind of um, explosive team, and they're willing to add Patty Kane. I think they're going to part with one of Lafreniere or um, or Kako. Um, you know, it makes sense. You know, one of them to go, definitely not both. But I mean, I think that's where Chicago starts the conversation. I mean, you're getting a Hall of Fame player, although he's 34. This guy's still balling out, um, so he needs to you know have a decent return. So I have either one of Lafreniere or Kako. A first-round pick, which is pretty, you know, run-of-the-mill. Um, and then I see them also asking for Vitaly wow, Vitali Kravatsov. Gosh, that's a tongue twister. But he's been asking for out of New York for a while. You know, he's a, a former first-round pick. Um, you know, a talented, big Russian forward. Um, you know, has had a pretty average career as of now has definitely not even nearly broken out to what uh, the Rangers have hoped for, but there is a lot of potential there. And what better way to find your potential than on a tire fire team. And, you know, if I'm Kravatsov and I go to Chicago and they bring in Bedard or Fantili, you know, there's a lot of uh, potential there to have some pretty sick line mates. So that to me uh, seems like a pretty cool opportunity. Um, Moving on here, we're about halfway done. I'm going into the West now, and, you know, I got to admit, as a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, it's easier to keep your eyes on kind of the Eastern teams as you kind of trying to scope out who your competition is and um, who you might face off in the first round and 
um, you know, just what's going on in your in your conference. But nonetheless, Dallas, I think, has had a great year. Jason Robertson, I mean, where did this guy come from? He's been absolutely lights out. He's kind of etched himself as one of the the top young players in the league. Um, I can only hope his brother Nick Robertson, Toronto Maple Leaf prospect, who's out injured right now, um, reaches even half his brother's um, potential. I mean, Jason is is really something else. You know, Jamie Ben's having a great bounce back year. Same with Sagan. They've got some great pieces up front. Rupe Hints um, is a nice player. Um, you know, they seem to be actually a pretty stable and pretty solidly built team. Um, you know, they've got Jake Ottinger in that, who is another star goalie in the making. Um, he kind of came onto the scene last year in the playoffs against Calgary, stood on his head. Um, you know, they got they just signed Mason Marchment and, um, you know, they got some other pieces there. I could see them upgrading their bottom six as there is a little bit of a thinning um, going on uh, as you move into their bottom six. Um, you know, they still got Joel Pavelski there, who's who's uh, still playing quite well at the age of 38. Um, but I could also see them adding, you know, just a little bit of help on defense. Um, you know, they got Miro Heiskinen, who's who's an awesome defender, um, their cornerstone piece on the back end. Um, Essa Lindell, you know, is locked in for the next three years. Ryan Suter, I mean, 38 years old, still playing decent hockey, but something you got to be aware of. And then Colin Miller is kind of, you know not the best fit on in a top four. You'd probably like to see him more in your bottom pairing um, as kind of a really good number five or six. So with that being said, I could see them making a deal with, uh, with Montreal going after Joel Edmondson. You know, he's kind of built for the Western conference, big physical defenseman, block shots, American guy. Uh, I think it makes sense for them to go after him. And I think Montreal would probably be looking mostly at a third round pick maybe ask for a fifth round pick and um, you know, Dallas could throw in Kiviranta to maybe balance the books a bit. No loss to Dallas. Really. He hasn't had a very good year at all. Um, but yeah, I think that could be a smart, smart play for Dallas. Nothing too crazy to, to mess with anything, but um, definitely a direction they could end up going. Uh, moving on to back to Canada. Winnipeg is a really interesting team. The Jets have some really cool, uh, good pieces. I mean, they have a studded net with Connor Hallebach. That guy, you know, it's nice to be able to start off uh, in your in your goaltending position and not even have to worry about it. I mean, the guy's money. Um, you know, so he, they're solid back there. Up front, they've got some great pieces, man. Like Kyle Connor is really coming into his own as an elite, elite player. Mark Scheifele's having a decent year. Nikolai Ehlers is always solid. Pierre-Luc Dubois has been great. Um, Cole Perfetti has been, seems to be a fantastic draft pick. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned Blake Wheeler, but he's also been reliable too, even, even with his, his age there. So, um, on defense, Joshua Norrissey, as they call him, has been lights out this year. What a breakout for him. Uh, Nate Schmidt, offensive guy, nice balance there. Neil Pionk, Brendan Dillon, Dylan DeMello. They got probably five guys that they can look at and be pretty comfortable with. And then their sixth guy is kind of uh, a revolving door. So with that being said, I have a couple trades for Winnipeg because I think they could go either way. I think if they really want to make a splash, I, I could see them going after Jonathan Taze. Um, obviously 50% retained, but that's a Manitoba guy, Winnipeg guy going back home. Um, you know, I think he's still got some, some hockey left in him. Um, and I think he can kind of be that Paul Stasny type player that they that they once had Winnipeg. 
um, a few years ago that just added a lot of balance to their to their bottom six. He could really be a good third line center, power play guy, um, good leader, obviously. Um, so that would be, I think, a, an interesting pick for them. I think that Chicago, knowing where Taze is now in his career, probably looking for a couple picks. It's, I had a third and a fifth round pick, maybe throwing Logan Stanley, who's a towering defenseman who hasn't really found his game, but is still young at 24 years old. I mean, this guy's six seven. Um, you know, maybe he he kind of finds his way as a as a really solid five or six big shutdown guy um, out in Chicago. Um, and then I don't really know. I also don't really think that that uh, Winnipeg's going to be able to pull off two trades of this magnitude. I mean, obviously, I don't think Toronto is either. That's more of me just hoping. But um, if they do, this would be pretty unreal. But I also could see them really saying to themselves, we want to get a sure bet on our defense and push everyone down one notch um, and, you know, um, really make ourselves have a solid defense. You know, Nate Schmidt and, and Morrissey on a pairing – and then Neil Pionk and adding in, um, you know, Vladislav Gavrikov. Really, you know, solid physical um, left-handed defenseman out of Columbus, six foot three. Um, just in, just a real def- like solid defenseman. You know, defends the game. Doesn't bring a lot to the offensive side, but also isn't you know completely useless up front. Um, but yeah, just your typical shutdown guy. Really nice guy to have in the playoffs. So I could definitely see them make a run at him and solidify things at the back. I think. You know, there's been a lot of rumors that Columbus is going to want a first-round pick, but yeah, that's tough for me to imagine. Um, also, an expiring contract, really good deal um, at 2.7 million, I believe he's making. Um, so, really good in terms of uh, contract, um, which is a, a big plus and a good negotiating chip for a team like Columbus, but. I don't know if he really gives you the worth of a of a first round pick. I think that as the deadline gets closer and teams start to negotiate a little bit more, um, I think you're looking at more or less a, a pair of second round picks, which is what I have Winnipeg sending the other way. This next trade I had a lot of fun with, and I think a lot of people could probably um, dunk on this one, but I mean, I think it's kind of an interesting scenario to say the least. Um, I think, I mean, Ottawa has been extremely disappointing. I don't think that there really is a future where um, Alex DeBrickett's going to re-sign in Ottawa. And I think they're going to try their best. But I think that, you know, he's an American guy. Things have not gone well in Ottawa. Let's face it, Ottawa's not really a lot of team a guys' first choice to begin with. If they're co- Even if they are, if an American guy is coming to Canada, he's probably going to want to come to a place like Montreal, Toronto, or Vancouver. Um, you're not going to choose Ottawa. I mean, that's not me being bitter to my Ontario rivals, but I mean, let's face it. No one's really choosing Ottawa unless you're Claude Giroux and you're a hometown guy um, or you're drafted by them. So I don't really see him sticking around or wanting to stick around. I think that negotiation could get real tough. We know that um, Ottawa has been looking at Matthew Dumba um, out of uh, Minnesota. You know, he's been a lifelong uh, wild defenseman, right-handed guy, that's the biggest issue with the uh, with the Senators is their defense. They've got some nice pieces up front, and I think um, you know Josh Norris is technically their number one center who's been out all year pretty much. So once he gets back, and maybe they have another year to kind of draft another higher end player, I think I could see them make an interesting trade here in which they trade DeBrincat and Nikita Zaitsev, who they've been trying to dump for so long. 
um, maybe retain 25% of his deal, but get him off the books in return for um, Matt Dumba and Jordan Greenway. Um, I think that's a deal that kind of just makes sense for both teams. You know, I think it, you get a game breaker for Minnesota. I mean, they've been linked so, so much with moving on from Dumba. And, you know, if Ottawa is really interested in them, they get a, uh, an immediate bolstering to their weak blue line. I know they lose to Prinkett, but again, for the reasons mentioned, I just don't know if there's a long-term future for him in Ottawa with his contract coming up this year. I think it's going to be hard to convince him to stay. Um, and I think that just kind of, I think Minnesota is a nice fit for him. He'll be, you know, alongside some real great players, Kirill Kaprizov, um, you know, Boldy, uh, you know, if you add to Brinkett to the fold, Zuccarello still playing good hockey. Um, there's some nice pieces out in Minnesota for Debrinkat to to sign there. So we'll see. That's a far-fetched one, but I thought I was have a little fun with it. Um, for Seattle, I mean, I looked at Seattle's team, and honestly, I think the most shrewd piece of business we've seen from from them has been the ability to get Eli Tolvin and off of waivers. What a fit he's been for them, and and what an interesting decision by by Nashville to even put him on on waivers to begin with. Um, just you know, gave up on a, on a player real early. Um, you know, he's still a young guy at 23 years old, eight goals in 15 games with uh, Seattle. So he's been doing quite well there. Um, I could see them, um, you know, maybe adding some depth to their forward group, like a Max Domi um, kind of player. Nothing crazy, third-round pick going the other way. You know, just kind of a real basic trade uh, to just add some depth. I don't think that they're going to go – I think that they still are kind of happy with – building slowly they've had a good relatively surprising year i don't think that they're going to do anything to break the bank or anything um next one here la kings i mean i've been thinking and thinking what could they possibly you know go after i mean they're such an interesting team you know they made that big deal last year for kevin fiala who's fit in well um you know was at the all-star game um but i think you know with their goaltending situation being so erratic Cal Peterson now in the minors, Jonathan Quick being like 45 years old. I mean, this guy's coming to an end. I think that they go after a Southern California native, uh, a guy named Thatcher Demko. Um, And again, it's hard to say that these big trades will happen at the deadline. This is so sort of, you know, uh, a very utopian view of the deadline. We know it's probably going to be quieter and less of a interesting day or, or week, but, um, I think the Kings could really benefit from getting a guy like Demko. I think that the price can be fairly high for Vancouver. I know that they haven't said that they're going into a rebuild, but let's face it, you just traded your captain for a first-round pick and a prospect. Um, like You're probably going to rebuild, um, as you should. That team is not, not going to do anything for any time soon. So I could see them asking a, a pretty big haul for Demko. I mean, just last year, Demko was one of the best goalies in the league. He's had a rough year this year, but who hasn't had a rough year in Vancouver? It's a disastrous team. Um, so I could really see LA going for it, giving them a first-round pick this year. Throw, they're going to have to throw in a top prospect. I don't think they're going to want to um, give up a Brant Clark, and I think that might be a breaking point, but I could see them giving up Francesco Pinelli, who good Italian boy. I think he could be something that the Canucks definitely covet. It'll be a tough pill to swallow for the Kings, but if they're serious about getting a franchise goalie and they feel like Demko's their guy, they're gonna they're gonna have to go that way. And I threw I threw in um, Brendan Lemieux too, just to kind of maybe even things out a little bit. Um, kind of some bodies going the other way. 
So um, we're near the end here. And the most interesting team, I think, is is going to be Vegas. You know, it's so sad seeing Mark Stone be up on the shelf again. Um, you know, his career's in limbo now with some of his the back injuries he's had. Um, we know the back, like a, obviously the head injury is very you know intense and and worrisome. But I think back injuries have been back and knees have been ones that have been just crushing for careers. Um, so all the best to him. But he's on the shelf and may may or may not come back um this year or or after um so we'll see where he's at but i see vegas going in for they're going to make some moves with his absence i think a perfect player that kind of fits for vegas will be will be ryan o'reilly i mean he won a cup with alex petrangelo who's a staple out in vegas he's just a reliable you know guy that you can slide into your top six he's had a rough year this year but St. I mean he's been injured and St. Louis has been not very good at all um so I could I could see Riley really bouncing back I think it will cost St. or Vegas a, a low first round pick which I think that they'll be fine to stomach um and maybe just kind of a a decent not grade A prospect maybe a great grade B or B minus prospect in uh Sapovalov who had a pretty good world juniors for the Czechs um, going the other way. And then I think Vegas with any remaining money they might have just bolstering that defense too. Cause Zach, Zach white, white cloud, who's a really solid right-handed defenseman. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's out on the long-term IR. So I could just see them adding a little bit of depth, maybe making a trade for a guy like Dmitry Kulikov out of Anaheim, who we know is going to be sellers. Uh, they'll probably only really be asking for a third or second round pick. I think a third round pick gets that done. Uh, for Vegas so that pretty much wraps it up for all of the top teams I mean it's a very long-winded in terms of going through all the teams there but um, I think it's going to be an interesting one hopefully you know the NHL always disappoints when it comes to big big days of movement whether it's free agency or uh, trade deadlines especially trade deadlines I mean you see more activity in the summer for the most part just because of that stupid cap but, um, you know, I'm hoping with all the names that have been kind of floated out there and a lot, and especially with Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli, um, you know, up for grabs at the top of the draft. I think a lot of those bad teams like the Chicago's, the San Jose's, the Anaheim's, even maybe the Canucks um, and long shot teams like the Blues. I think a lot of them are going to have an appetite to get as close as they can to the lottery and just, you know, they know they're not going to make the playoffs. You might as well tank it let's be real and uh by tanking get rid of some of your better players to those teams making a run at the cup so um i think it's going to hopefully be interesting we'll see what happens i mean if if even 50 percent of these trades happen i think it'll be better than most years but um just thought it'd be interesting to kind of do a little bit of a special on what's out there in the market and what teams might be in the market for um all i can say is i really hope toronto is active in the capacity that I had written on this sheet. So um, for all the hockey fans out there, thanks guys for tuning in as always. Give us a follow on TM up pod on Twitter. Both Aaron and I like to man that account and interact. Um, if you like this episode, um, give us your opinions, what you think the trades are going to be like, what you think the deadline's going to be like. Let us know. Uh, we're always happy to have that banter. Um, And um, yeah, we're going to have a slew of episodes come your way next week as we've been kind of up and down this past week with me on the IR. But um, 
I'm soon getting activated from it. So um, again, thanks for listening. Uh, you're going to have a bunch of episodes your way. So please continue to support the pod. We appreciate any and all listeners. And uh, yeah, thanks for another episode of Team Up Sports Pod. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Look.